Welcome to the Hidden Voice Podcast with me, your host, Samala Bygraves. This is a podcast for women who are desiring an exploration into shadow work. It is for those who are ready to uncover the wisdom that lives within our deepest fears and the liberation on the other side of transforming the shame and guilt that shrouds our past experiences. Join me and astrologer Danielle every fortnight as we shed light on the hidden parts of ourselves and society that have been kept in the shadows. This is a space for raw conversation, rebirth and transformation. This is where we uncover our hidden voice. Welcome to today's episode of the Hidden Voice Podcast. Today I am speaking with Hannah. Now, I am deeply, deeply grateful for Hannah and her incredible bravery at coming on to today's episode of the podcast. Hannah works in the sex industry and she is going to be sharing her experiences, her perspective and her insight of what it has been like, the, I suppose, the reactions and the projections of the people within her life and how she has really navigated her own personal journey of self-exploration, self-liberation, um, and also sort of healing certain aspects of herself. So the conversation that we are about to have is very raw. It's very honest. It may be a conversation that you want to be listening to when there aren't little ears around. There is some harder language in this conversation. And I also just want to caveat that, you know, there may be some uncomfortable points in this conversation. So if at any point you need to leave, you know, please do so. But this is an incredibly insightful conversation. And, you know, Hannah's intention really is to shine a light on sex work in order to begin to destigmatize sex work, sexual liberation, and also in order to begin to end sex trafficking. So this is really her intention of coming on today's show is to really shine a light on this area of of society that has otherwise been pushed into the shadows. So again, I am deeply grateful for Hannah's honesty, her bravery. Um, She has an amazingly powerful way of sharing her story, of sharing her truth. And I really hope that you can go into this conversation with a very open mind. So before we get into the episode, of course, we are going to hear a brief conversation between myself and Danielle. And again, just touching on how sex in particular has been really pushed into the shadows and how we then may see that popping up and festering, you know, within these areas like sex trafficking, sexual abuse, and so on. So this is an incredibly important conversation in my opinion. And I really do hope that you can go into this and glean some wisdom and insight. And I do hope that you come out the other side with, you know, an understanding and a perspective that you perhaps otherwise did not have. So thank you so much for being here and I will see you on the other side. Religion Mm -hmm. has shoved sex into the shadow. Sex is sinful. Mm -hmm. If we repress sex, what do you see? Sexual abuse, sexual trauma, sexual sex trafficking. It's becoming rife because if you push it down, it will come out in secrets, in our deepest desires, right? It's the kink that we don't tell anyone that we have for something that is completely suppressed. That is just 
is so great in terms of, you know, the conversation I had with Hannah. It was like um, being in sex work and yeah. seeing, you know, just how much stigma there is. And even she was like, I just realized that we need to destigmatize this because otherwise that's how people that don't want to be in the sex industry, that's how they no longer are forced into it. Because if this is out of the shadows, then it can't yep. go on. It can't happen in the shadows if people are looking at it. And, you know, we were talking about this and I think it's interesting, like, you know, intimacy, you know, she was saying like, we're all exchanging sex for something anyway, whether it's money or something else, we're all exchanging. So, you know, there's that whole piece, but also just, um, the, you know, it, it is, it's that, it's that repression and that kind of shadowy element that creates that split wow. and it creates that divide. So again, it's just, and it's, it's just interesting how we're seeing more and more extreme behavior going on, but wow. perhaps it is because we're bringing it out and we are actually now starting to look at it and see it and be like, oh my goodness, like that actually is happening. When you're looking at Pluto in, so for the millennials, Pluto is generally going to be in Scorpio or Sagittarius, a little bit of Sagittarius. And again, what we're talking about here is sex. But when we're talking about sex, it's not sex, it's power. Yeah. Who has the power? We're also talking about intimacy is how do I connect in relationship if I only am using the lens of sex? Because I don't know how to do it in any other way. And when we are talking about sex as well, and it's part of the collective shadow, right, is that when we start to bring this up to the surface and that's when we're having these conversations, it's probably, I mean, I'd be really intrigued to see where Hannah's placement for Pluto is, you know, if she's a part of this conversation, a part of the vibration to transmute the shadow of sex and intimacy so that we're able to take it out because it's not the sex, it's the secret. It's the taboo, it's the secret that makes it right. Yeah, it's not it's not the actual act. It's what it represents. Absolutely. And and you're so right about the power because that was a lot of the conversation that we had was it's about power. It's about yeah. it's about power. It's about this is my body and I can do what I want with it. And you know, I think there's a certain degree of if you bring say for example sex work out of the shadows and women are fully owning themselves as working in that industry then they are no yeah. longer controllable. And what oh. does that mean, you know, um, for the patriarchy, you know, for for the powers that be, if we are all actually, because then comes in the whole consent piece. And it's interesting that I think for millennials, consent is like this thing, right? It's like, because it's like, again, it's like, well, I have the power to say no. And actually if you're in, say for, I use sex work again as an example, if, you know, especially someone like Hannah who, he was very, you know, she's gone in it with eyes wide open as well. You know, obviously she's choosing. Um, so that's the big, you know, there's a difference. There's women who are in it who are not choosing. Um, but it's that piece of that she can walk out at any point. But we were talking about, she was like, it's safer for me than it is for me to go on a Tinder date. Because, uh -huh. you know, everything is set up. Everything is got bound, everything is boundaried. So we were just sort of having this really interesting dialogue around consent and around power and around like you say it's not actually sex it's what it means to be intimate and say no or say yes and explore that with boundaries and so yeah so it's it's, it's just yeah it's 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 so fascinating when you really start to kind of look at all of this so I am here today on the hidden podcast with my amazing friend Hannah D so Hannah you know we've just been 
in a conversation now around kind of what you want to speak to and, you know, it's International Women's Day and I feel that the theme is quite perfect and, and nuanced. So obviously this podcast is all about talking about the things that we keep hidden, the stuff that's kind of hidden within the shadows. So I would love to speak to you about your experience of sexual shame, um, your experience of, I guess, going down a road where you have experienced a lot of stigmatization around the kind of work that you do. Um, obviously, you're a bodybuilder. You know, that in itself can attract a lot of attention, positive and seemingly negative. So why don't you just start by kind of introducing us to what it is that you really want to speak to today? And then we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, what a My lovely pleasure. introduction. Um, yeah. So basically, I am a sex worker. Mm-hmm. I do escorting, only family modeling, and some freelance dominatrix work occasionally. And also, most recently, a stripper. So, yeah, quite mm-hmm. the side hustle repertoire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. what came with it, obviously, was a lot of shame and some very strong reactions to um, the path that I was choosing, which I felt was right for me, and I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I never actually struggled with sexual shame in myself. You know, I've always been quite sexually open and thought kind of outside the box to how everybody else does. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is so much stigma around sex work. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it is insane. There's misconceptions. There's assumptions that are made that just aren't true. It's mm-hmm. like people, it's all being based off movies, or you know, people assume it's either extremely dingy and very dangerous, or that it's it massively glamorous. And it's it's neither of those things. Mm, yeah. It's, it's I mean, firstly, I, yeah, I love that. It's just work, and and you're so right. And again, it's the it's the label that we attach, the meaning that we attach to that. Like you said, it's like, right. you know, it's it's these areas of society that, you know, people would otherwise like to pretend is not happening. And then of what they do see of it, like you say, is, is glamorized in cinema. So it's almost like seen as, you know, being something like, and it's like the polar opposite. So it's like, like you say, like dangerous and dingy. And actually in many ways, because we refuse to accept and see it as a part of as a completely just like there's nothing wrong with it it's a part of society that it does actually become dangerous because it's not safe for you like you don't know where it's safe for you to have those conversations like if you've had an experience in work like where do you go to who do you go to because you couldn't necessarily go to certain people certain institutions to ask for help so like, I think one of the first things and that you said, obviously, you yourself don't feel sexual shame. And like you said, you've always been very sexually open and, you know, liberated in that sense. But it's the people's relationships around you or the relationships around you that, you know, when you obviously have chosen to tell people about what you do, you've experienced kind of like a backlash. So I suppose, like, how has that, how has that informed the way that you I suppose, relate to people. And are you now more careful about who you speak to about what you do? Or, you know, do you like, is it sort of, yeah, yeah. So how is that? Yeah, how is that? I would say, influence? yeah, definitely. Um, I'm definitely a little bit more cautious. I almost anticipate people's reactions before I get them. Okay. Because it's it's not so much with close friends and stuff. 
it's if I feel safe in a situation, I may talk about it and be like, well, that's this is what I do for work. Or say in dating, mm. that's a whole other mm. minefield. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, everyone just assumes that, you know, sex is a sacred thing just for you and your partner. And it's like, well, when did my body become anybody else's property? You know, when mm-hmm. people say, oh, I don't want to share my partner physically. It's like, well, mm-hmm. what? when did that become decision for you to make Mm. so I don't know it's just yeah there's there's so many different nuances around it the different reactions that I get Mm -hmm. I mean I'm not ashamed of it I want to be proud of it I was a little bit I guess at the beginning a bit ashamed of it but but I did have sort of like an explosion into it in that I lost Mm -hmm. a couple of very close friendships which I'm not going to go into too much detail about Mm -hmm. but you know they absolutely vehemently did not approve of what I was about Mm. to do and the whole Mm -hmm. reason I went into it is because my divorce was getting so expensive and I didn't have you know a bank a mum and dad or a house mum and dad to fall back onto and we were arguing about money and you know it was I had defaults on credit cards happening right at that Mm -hmm. moment and they were like Mm -hmm. oh why don't you tie this why don't you do this other thing why don't you do this online stuff that's not as it's like that's not going to get me the 100 and 200 pounds or whatever it is that I need right now to not default Mm mm-hmm Right, so do you take time to build up, which I'm doing yeah. now, but yeah. <laughs> so you do know. you feel like in a way, so the in the sort of like your entry into it was because I suppose it's high risk, isn't it? High risk, high yeah. reward. So it's like you know that you can go some into it into something which, you know Oh yeah, I didn't go in blind. That's yeah. absolutely not what happened. I didn't just get drunk one night and think, I'm no, just gonna do of course this. not. Like no, no it, it I was, was a decision. Yeah, I was really yeah. thinking about it. And I always said when I was younger, like, if if I could just do sex as a job, I reckon I'd be good at it. And turned that mm-hmm. and it's right. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and literally, I just, I went through, I did my research, I looked into it. Mm-hmm. I interviewed the agency that I eventually chose mm-hmm. for over two hours. Mm-hmm. I grilled them. Mm-hmm. I grilled the hell of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah, so obviously safety was a big issue that, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was safe and, you know, asked about experiences and you know, tips for, you know, female-wise. I spoke to another escort to see what it mm-hmm. would be like mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. But it's the same. I don't see what the difference is with that. Like, I'm getting paid to have sex with somebody. So, you know, people want human connection. They want intimacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, like, we, I mean, it's good. The loophole, you can't say it's being paid to have sex, really, because the legal loophole is it's an escorting mm-hmm. service. What happens beyond that is, you know, between two consenting adults. It's an age-old profession. It's never going to go anywhere. The fact that we're just pushing it underground and making it a shameful thing to do never stops it. It just makes it less safe. Do you think do. that? Yeah, I was going to say, do you think actually, so that's the thing, isn't it? You know, and we said this before we started recording, it's like, when you refuse to see the mold underneath yeah. the fridge, that's when it becomes dangerous. That's when it gets out of control. Because like you said, like, I mean, there's so many things that we could kind of expand on and go down. I think <laughs> one of the things you said about, you know, first and foremost, like, you know, this idea that your body is somebody else's property, you know, and that is very much a, I feel, you know, is very much a product of, the kind of patriarchal conditioning that a woman's body belongs to a man. And we can kind of see that reflected in the sex industry because women, I mean, we've talked about this like in other conversations, but women, how many women are running these 
these places and spaces, you know, they're run by men. So, yeah. you know, I know there are some some females that obviously do run, um, you know, escort agencies and things it's like that. It's on the rise. Definitely. It's on the rise. But I almost feel like, you know, how, you know, how can we make it safer? How can we fully see that in some way or another, we are all paying for sex. Like whether you're taking a woman out for dinner and then expecting sex afterwards, whether you're doing something nice for your partner. Do you know what I mean? It's like in some way, we are all exchanging something for sex. So what is the difference between... Yeah, like it's intimacy. I mean, a lot of of my clients as well, they don't... It's not even about that. They want the hugs. They want the kiss. They want to chat. Okay, there are mm-hmm. some, you know, wham, bam, yeah. bang, bam, don't get it wrong. Yeah, 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 but yeah. there are equally, you know, nobody thinks about, you know, what about the paraplegics? Mm-hmm. What about people who can't leave their homes because mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. morbidly disabled and yeah. need some intimacy as well? Or, you know, the amount of mm-hmm. young guys I'd seen who'd not even left their flat for the last six months because they'd had a motorcycle accident and they can't move or go out yeah, and meet yeah. people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So nobody thinks about that. And then you've got the ones who, you know, perhaps their partners have died mm-hmm. however many months previous. They're not ready to commit, but they need intimacy. Yeah. yeah. But they're we very much need- in love with their departed wife, you know, and it's just. Yeah. Yeah. We all need intimacy. And that's where yeah. you're, like, and that's the whole point, right? Because it's like people are kind of, so they see it glamorized in one way. Like it's these certain types of people that pay, pay, you know, to have, you know, escort services. And then there's the, and then there's the like, the dingy, uh, but actually then what about there's some, all the stuff in the middle where it's just like you said, it's like, you know, because we, again, openly in society, we don't talk about healthy sexual relationships that aren't actually, so it's like you're either in a relationship and especially as a woman, like, it's like, you know, to be sexually empowered and to be making a choice and to be like, actually, no, I am going to do this. And like you said at the beginning, it wasn't, you didn't go into this with like some fantasy that it was going to be no. this or naively. You did your research just like any other job and yeah. you are in complete control. But I think that is half the, perhaps the issue is that when it comes to women's bodies, I mean, there are no legal, as far as I'm aware, there are no legislations pertaining to a man's body. Like, let's just think no. about that for a second. Like, the amount no. of legislation that's that has been written up about what a woman's body can and cannot do is just ridiculous. So, you know, we have all of that going on. But so, you know, back to like your relationships and I suppose how it has affected you. So I suppose mm-hmm. like, what do you feel like? It's like, what do you see? Like, obviously doing the work within yourself, like, like you said, like, yeah, maybe I did feel a little, you know, there is a bit of shame or maybe, I don't know, like, do you ever feel guilt? Like, not guilty, but, you know, it's like, oh, I'm doing something that is making other people, like, you know, when you're those friends. It makes other people uncomfortable. Yeah. That, so do you, that's for definite. You know, what, what yeah. are you going to do if your daughter finds out? What are you going to mm-hmm. do if, you know, so-and-so mm-hmm. sees this or what, what? I mean, I've already had somebody try and dox me in my day job. When I first did this, and doxing, was, sorry, means when somebody tries to get you fired, basically. Somebody emailed my HR department. Right. And um, was this, and was this, because obviously you've got a few different, things going on but yeah so this was for posting explicit content online okay and then mm. obviously when I went into escorting you know I lost you know a couple of relationships that were I thought were close mm-hmm. and the thing is yeah like you touched on earlier with the whole you know we don't talk about healthy sexual relationships we don't talk about sex 
like we would about our dinner and what we're eating to help keep us healthy. Like sexual health is healing as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It releases very good hormones, the same Mm -hmm. way exercise does. Mm -hmm. It's all important shit that we all need and how we get it. Like, why is it got to be such a dirty, bad and wrong thing? And who decided Mm -hmm. it was dirty and bad? Absolutely. Like, who who said that? Mm Mm-hmm. I know, like, right? Can you, can you explain yeah. to me? Like, I who, know, no. who make those rules? That's yeah. wrong. That's dirty. I'd never, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I see loads of things. Like, I'd never date an OnlyFans girl. That's trash. That's just, why though? Mm. Why? Yeah. What's, what's so bad about it? I know. It is, it's, it's really, I know, you're so right. And it's, and I've, you know, I've, you know, something that I've really been kind of exploring within myself is, you know, now that I'm single, I'm like, well, I don't, necessarily want to be in a relationship but I still would like to have intimacy and there is a level of like my friend said a really great quote to me was like always a whore and never a wife it's like you can't be both so you're either the wife you're either the or you're or you're the whore it's like there's one there's not there's nothing in the middle it's like you're either and again both of those things (laughs) yeah and both of those things hold so much stigma, you know, both of those things. And sure. I think it's, but it's us actually kind of, I think, well, for me anyway, it's like really going into it. And this is the work that I do with my coach is like, it's all neutral. There is nothing wrong with what any of us are doing at any, any, any time. No. It's only the meaning that we give to it. But until we actually look at it and be like, so again, like people that maybe say pointing the finger at you and being like, oh, you know, can't believe you're doing that. Like all the things that they say. Mm-hmm. It's it like always actually- little's down as well to what mm. about your safety though? My yeah. safety is my responsibility, yeah. not yours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, and I think there's a certain element of you are uncontrollable. When you are a single woman who is not married and not beholden to anybody, you are no mm-hmm. longer controllable by the system. You are operating yeah. outside of the system by 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 taking control of your body, by receiving money yeah. for something that, you know, is in a way completely controlled by you so it's like if you choose yeah. to not do it like it's the consent it's, it's on you they mm-hmm. hate the consent man they mm-hmm. do not like that shit <laughs> it's like it's it's the fact that you know it's a power that they don't have control over yeah if there's one thing escorting has taught me it is how to say no how mm-hmm. to hold your boundaries mm-hmm. and yeah, and just how to have your bearings about you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you need to do it in normal relationships too. Yeah. And yeah. like you know, I mean, we accommodate other people so much, and you know, men's yeah. expectations of us so much. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of us are having unenjoyable sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we're trying to accommodate them. And I'm sure yeah. that goes down to safety as well in consensual, yeah, yeah. you know, well, acts during it. Yeah, I mean, and how many of us? I mean, I know as a young girl, as a teenager, I remember being in a situation where, you know, I was at the boy's house and then I realized where I was going and I didn't want it to. And I said, no, I get to school the next day and everyone's calling me frigid. So I was shamed for saying no, because obviously he felt rejected. So the way that he needed to deal with it was, you know, obviously project onto me. And it's like, but I mean, I've experienced this in lots of relationships where, again, like you say, there's like, even if being in a relationship isn't automatic consent to sex on tap no it's not and also like think of that paradox as well that you just mentioned you know you were shamed for being a frigid 
And then yeah. as an adult, if you then take control of that uh-huh. and you do it consensually, well, now you're a slut. Yeah, like, you can't win. You can't like, win. Where's, <laughs> I know. When's it to be, like, when, when am I ever going to make anyone happy? And the truth is, you're fucking, you're not. No, exactly. You're exactly. Not, so you may as well do it. And Just, like, as well yeah. online, like, there's, there's a whole world of sexual just freedom I say freedom it's very pushed underground like because obviously I'm a dominatrix as well Mm. now the whole Mm -hmm. dom and sub sort of relationship that is an actual kink it's not a lot of some men do use it as an excuse to abuse women Mm -hmm. and to get subservient women and to just Mm -hmm. that's that's Mm -hmm. actually not what it's about Mm -hmm. it's about you know to want to be dominated is a kink and the want to be the dominator is also a kink but there's consent is a huge part of it massive Absolutely. and yeah and I think a lot of a lot of guys find that kind of threatening as well but mm-hmm. the ones who do mm-hmm. like to be dominated love it mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. really do and there are women out there who like you know to be the subservient one as well mm-hmm. and they're the ones who have to be really careful because you know there are men out there who just want to do whatever they want to women and just want to mm-hmm. feel powerful whereas mm-hmm. you know a ethical dom I suppose you could call it would mm-hmm. actually care about you know their pleasure whether mm-hmm. they're enjoying it yeah before after care and coming in and out of those scenarios whereas yeah, yeah it's it's a minefield but there's a lot of shame around it you know anybody yeah. else come across with a kink they're always thinking the first thing they say is oh I bet you think I'm a right weirdo yeah no yeah I really yeah. don't mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I so don't think it's weird what I'd love to kind of hear your I suppose, insights on is like, because obviously you're experiencing working in a sort of a few different ways. So you've got the escort agency, OnlyFans, and a strip club. Like, what's your experience of, because I imagine that they're all very different in terms of how it feels to be in those spaces. And the, yeah, yeah, so what's it like, I'd just love to know, do you know, do they all cross, like come together or are they actually quite different? Because, you know, I feel like OnlyFans has been a little bit glamorized. You know, like it was on the news oh, about has. this woman who made all these millions of dollars. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, you should go and work on OnlyFans. Like, it's like, again, it's not it's as like, easy money. No, no it's not easy. That's the thing. It's not easy money. So at the same no. time, it's high risk, high reward, but it's also not easy money because no. you have to be on. Like, it's a performance at the end of the day, isn't it? It is. And the amount of promo that you have to go through and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, I mean, there's some, OnlyFans is actually quite strict. So a lot mm-hmm. of creators have been banned from there and have had to use different platforms. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the problem of us having to promote ourselves so much. Yeah. And then the platforms that we use to do that, banning us all the time. So what kind of platform are we talking? Because of nudity or mm-hmm. not following guidelines. I had two accounts blocked in the space of three weeks. Wow. Yeah, and then we get reported, we get banned. I mean, you even get pole dancers now who are getting their accounts banned nudity when they're performing their art yeah and it's like what yeah so yeah there seems to be no space where it's really safe to be to do our work to promote our work even when we are sort Mm of doing it within guidelines and yet you get celebrities who can post whatever they want yep (laughs) or you can be thumbs out nips out the whole lot whereas you know we're just constantly fighting fire yeah or you can be on page three of the sun 
topless. Yeah, I'm not sure but if it's it, around anymore. But it's yeah. not anymore. But I was, you know, but I think, again, it, to me, it goes back to, though, you are uncontrollable. Yeah. When you are taking charge of your body, receiving money, seeing your value. So this goes back to, so you have a service, you have a way, like, again, you know, you have a gift in the sense of your ability to be intimate with people, to relate to people, to see people for who they yeah. are. That's a huge value. That's that's I valuable. Enjoy it. Yeah. I and why would enjoy you it. Yeah. And why would you give that away for free? So it's this oh. idea that, and this is like, and I think again, it's like, well, what's it to you to reply to my message? Or what's it to you to just, you know, send me a picture or whatever? And I was like, well, actually, no, because this is valuable. I am valuable. So if you want it, you're gonna pay for it. But I think that's the whole thing. Like, you know, with obviously certain platforms. As soon as you start operating outside of social norms, you're shadow banned. You have your accounts closed, blocked, you know, and it's just to me, it just goes to show the level of control, you know, not just within this, within the sex industry, but actually for many people now who are realizing that the systems are completely not designed. Oh yeah, massively. I mean, photographers are getting their stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, they've edited these pictures, you know, these bodies are beautiful Mm, and they are having their posts removed Mm -hmm. and they're not even nude. They're not, and it's this implied nudity rule and it's like, what do you mean implied nudity? You could imply that I am naked underneath my fully clothed body right now. Well, we're all naked. We're all, (laughs) it's just, but actually, like you said, when you really start to think about it, it's like, so it's like, yeah, it's like everything is, we're so over-sexualized. So to the point where it's like, so even when we're not, there's just like, well, what do we do? It's like, I'm either not being sexual enough or not showing myself enough or, oh, I'm doing it too much now. Yeah. And the real problem of all of that, all of it is the shame and stigmatization around sex and control of women's bodies. And then also the shame around men, Mm -hmm. you know, because men have sexual wants and desires, which Mm -hmm. is seen as weird or you know say Mm. if they want to be submissive to a woman and dominated you know they may be ridiculed Mm. by their peers Mm -hmm. or you know people who are a bit kinky and stuff because I definitely had a client that was like that and he was you know his friends still weren't you know accepting of some of his ways and like some people's kinks you know they do derive from trauma as well so there's that that needs dealing with you know because we forget that these things and stuff they develop in our formative years you know, whether we like to admit it or not, they're yeah. trying to get sex education like out of school for primary school. It's mm-hmm. like, do you know how many assaults are going on in school I at know. their age? Yeah. Like, let's try and bring consent into an earlier stage of life. It doesn't need to be, you know, showing them porn and saying that this isn't normal. That's not age appropriate. There's ways and means we can do it. And we need to start young so that there isn't such a huge shame around it. That There's nothing wrong with wanting to experience sexual pleasure like I don't know about mm. you but I didn't, I didn't even know about masturbation until I fucking started doing it myself uh, n- and I was no quite one, young yeah no one had a conversation with me about it <laughs> and you know I've observed my children it's natural for them to explore yes. and the first response from people is don't touch your body don't touch your body don't do that don't, do don't that. touch your body yeah exactly you know and it's just and, it's not yeah. fair because it makes them confused and you know, you just teach them that, you know, nobody needs to touch you where you don't want to be touched. You have every right to say no. You know, I want to be a safe place where you can tell me anything. You're not going to be in trouble. I just want to help you. Yeah. I think the consent piece is interesting, especially for children, because I think, again, if you think about it, it's like we almost deny our children consent because it's easier then, right, to parent. Because if they, 
if their consent is negligible, then if they say, like, so for example, you know, give mummy a kiss. If your daughter says no, you don't guilt your parents and say, oh, come on. No. Give, you know, that's not very nice. It's like, if she's saying no, she doesn't want to. She's allowed to say no just because I'm yeah. her mom. And I think this is part of the problem, right? So family members, friends, come and do yeah. this, come and do this, come sit here. Come, do, do, do. Her grandma, it, her granddad. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No. Kiss this random uncle that you don't know. Why would I want to kiss? Like little kids know, yeah. like they're so intuitive. They're like, I know that that person, I don't want to, like, I don't want to, you know. So I think, again, it's like we have to be okay. It's like, yeah, we can't be, like as adults, we're so confused. We're like, oh, okay, so I have the right to say no, but I've been conditioned yeah. my whole formative, like my whole childhood to say to say yes. And that it's if I say thing. no, it means I'm not being a good girl and it means that I'm upsetting yeah. other people. So I think, again, it's like... It's not like manners. It's not like saying no. please and you. It is completely no. different. Yes. And that's why I ask now my little girl, you know, do you want a hug? Do you want yeah. this? And like, I might be upset sometimes because I might yeah. need a fucking yeah. hug. And yeah. she'll be like, it's my... And she's learning because she'll it's say, it's my, my choice, yeah. Mummy. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. Yeah. But, but it's inside, it is like, hard. <laughs> I know. And it is hard. And we're all learning. You know, we're all learning. And I think that's the thing, right? You know, we're, I'm still learning as a parent yeah. how to see my children as completely, they are completely autonomous. And yeah, if my daughter doesn't want to be close to me, but also vice versa, if I don't want to sit down on the couch right now and do have a cuddle because I'm wanting to do something else, I'm also allowed to say no. So it's it goes both ways. So it's showing yeah. them, but it's hard because we're all, like you said, we're all learning, but it does start with childhood and shame and guilt and yeah. that my body is responsible for somebody else's happiness. Um, yeah. And I think, um, you know, just sort of touching on as well, like, you know, we sort of were speaking about this before before we started recording but you know outside of you know where you are you're in control of working in the sex industry you know you're you're choosing but there are people out there women out there who are young children women who are not and who are sold into sex trafficking um and all sorts of you know just horrific horrendous things horrendous yeah. things and how do we think we're going to bring them out of the shadows if we're criminalizing sex work and yeah. making it such a huge taboo yeah like what absolutely what's going to help get rid of that oh maybe perhaps legalizing it mm-hmm. having proper support and workers rights in it so that when mm-hmm. you know people who clearly don't want to be in that line of work yeah don't have to be there the same way as forced labor seems anything like if it's Mm -hmm. not legal labor then it's so easy to Mm -hmm. be taken advantage of and you know if you ask anybody who thinks if you think about it like this if you ask somebody what do you think of sex work oh it's disgusting it's so blah blah what if somebody who's you know got those views oh i'd never do it i can you know and i think it's wrong what do you think about sex trafficking oh well that's terrible and we definitely need to do something about it okay Mm. well how would you feel if i told you that we need to destigmatize sex work mm-hmm. and to legalize it and get yeah. it out of the shadows in order yeah. to help that. Yeah. They would not put those two and two together. I thought about no. that the other day. I saw something. I sent it to you on Instagram. Yeah, yeah I shared and it, it in like, my stories. like, I work in sex work and I'd never put those two together. And mm-hmm. it's so important. Mm-hmm. And it makes me realize why, yeah, it's, it is important work. And we do need to bring it out of the shadows. We do need to make it open. So it's easier to identify those people so they can come forward and not feel like they're going to be arrested for being yeah. in sex work, even though it's against their will. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I think that was a really important point I wanted to bring today. Definitely. Absolutely. No, I, I fully agree. And I think that, you know, this is, again, this is how, you know, everyone goes on about, you know, the world is such a terrible place and, you know, these people need to change and those people need to change and those people need to stop doing S, Y, and Z. But actually, if we all just go and deal with our own stuff, deal with our own shame, our own guilt, our own judgments, our own projections, then people can't do what they're doing. The sex trafficking will not be able to happen if we are all like, we're okay with this sex work and we're okay with this being just another thing. And we want to look after our sex workers and and we we want to make sure they're okay and they've got rights and that the police are going to protect them. And yes. that we're not going to be criminalized for doing those yes. things. Absolutely. Because if Absolutely. we get rid of that and actually start seeing us as people, then the people can't be trafficked into it so easily. Absolutely. Because it's far more regulated. I just want to really acknowledge just how brave it is to come on and speak about this. Because it is, it is you know, it is like, I think this is what we're realizing is that speaking your truth can come with a certain feeling of what's going to happen to me when I really speak my truth and use my voice. But I think it's that every time you do, you realize that the people that aren't here for your truth, that's cool. They can go somewhere else, but the people that are, you know, they will, they will be here to support you. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing what you you. shared. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I just hope anybody who goes through a healing journey of any sorts realizes that, yeah, you will lose relationships here and there, but the universe won't leave you without the ones that are meant for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Thank you so much, Hannah. You're welcome. If you're listening to this, then you've made it to the other side of the Hidden Voice podcast, and we want to thank you deeply. As some of you may know, I've birthed my first book this year, Spiral. It's my personal memoir of rebirth, reclaiming my voice and facing my shadow. Head to the show notes for how you can get your hands on a signed copy of my book. And if you would like to continue the conversation, subscribe to the show and be sure to share and review this episode.